0: All right, well, good morning, guys. Uh, As Pastor Matt said, we are concluding our series. You know, we just thought it would be fitting. Uh, It was just a natural progression to go one more week. Uh, It wasn't really planned. We were going to shift back into our baggage series, but we thought, uh, why miss this opportunity uh, to uh, capitalize on something that is really big and really significant? Uh, As far as the believer goes, I believe it's just as significant as the resurrection uh, itself, so I have something for you this morning, um and I uh, hope and pray that God really uh speaks to you through it. so I want to start off by um saying in a galaxy far, far away, there was once a Star Wars fan named Roland, and uh, I say that because uh I kind of lost my grip when it came to star wars uh, I'm sure we have some Star Wars fans in here. Do we have any former Star Wars fans in here? Is it just, okay, some former, yeah, yeah, okay, I feel you, brother, because, you know, um, I was a kid when the first three movies came out, and I don't know why they started with episode four, five, and six. It's just strange and weird, but that's when I came up, I can remember when, um, a New Hope came out. It was I was just a kid. I wasn't old enough, but thank God my dad was into uh, VHS tapes, and he was the early pirater, uh, bootlegger. He had every movie that came out at any theater, and so as I grew up a little bit, I was able to catch up uh, by seeing that one, but I grew up on Empire Strikes Back and then Return of the Jedi, of course, and then it was about uh, 15 or 16 years. I think 83 was the when uh, Return of the Jedi came out, and then it wasn't until 99, I believe, that um, they restarted the the movie series. And so, but I, I was excited, but there was a character named Jar Jar Binks that ruined it for me. <laughs> and I got to be honest with you, I've never been back. <laughs> I've never been back. If I can be honest, I've seen the fight scenes, but I haven't seen the whole movie. I'm sorry, I just... You know, so anyway, um, but I wanted to talk about something that I hope will, because I know you guys are already thinking, what does this have to do with the Bibles? It's something, I don't know, we'll get there. Uh, I'm going to make a connection, but um, you might remember these names, because I know they were in the other movies, but there was a young man named Luke Skywalker, and there was a mentor named Obi-Wan Kenobi, and so when I was growing up in, a New Hope, um, he was mentoring Luke, um, there was a scene where uh, Han Solo and, and Luke and Princess Leia, that crew, they were trying to get away, but they needed to get to the Millennium Falcon, you remember that, anybody ever seen that movie, I'm, I'm probably dating myself, but, um, and so Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of knows what's going on, he's, he's kind of trying to make the way for them, and Darth Vader, you guys know who Darth Vader is? Obi-Wan, Luke. Darth Vader shows up and intercepts Obi-Wan Kenobi. And so they're there. The epic fight scene with the lightsabers. How many wanted a lightsaber when you were a kid? You were growing up. You wanted a lightsaber. How many imitated the noise? You still want one? Me too. They got some cool ones, actually. Yeah, so. But it's the epic fight scene between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. And then there was some conversation that took place as the fight was going on. Darth Vader kind of called Obi-Wan an old man and said, your skills weren't there, something like that. But then Obi-Wan said something. He said, you know what, Darth, you cannot win. If you strike me down, I'll be more powerful than you could ever imagine. Shows up on the scene uh, is Luke and Han Solo, and they see that they're fighting. Obi-Wan sees Luke, makes eye contact with him, and he smiles. Some of you from my generation might remember this scene. He smiles, and he does something strange. He stands straight. He holds his lightsaber straight up, and he allows Darth Vader to strike him down. How many remember that scene? How many have seen it somewhere on YouTube? Somebody posted it or something? Right? And so I know what you're thinking. What does Star Wars have to do with the Bible? To most of you, probably nothing. Uh, But I believe there are some parallels that we can make. Today we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, I know what some of you are thinking. The Holy Spirit is not the force. I'm not saying that it is the force. But um, again, there are some parallels. But follow me over to the book of Acts chapter 1. Last week was Easter. Jesus had just showed up. He was turned in. He was betrayed. He goes. He's crucified. He's buried. And then he's resurrected again. And I don't know about you, but if I was one of the disciples, that emotional roller coaster of having to follow Jesus around. First of all, the disciples drop everything to follow him. They... they, Dedicate their lives, they leave career, some of them leave family, and they hang out with Jesus for three years, and they watch him do things that validify who he says he is. And so they're on board, they they believe him, he's God, he's doing miracles, and right in front of them. And then you get to the scene where he's now talking nonsense, saying, you know what, guys, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to. I'm gonna to have to die. Of course, Peter says, "Jesus, don't say that again." He rebukes him. Um, Jesus is turned in. He goes and and then he dies. The one who they were following, the one who they thought was God, dies. The disciples are scattered. They're scared. They're hurt, and they're hiding. How many knows what it feels like to hide? And so they're hiding. And then, just like Jesus says, he rises again. He's resurrected. And so they're probably thinking, <laughs> wow, it's, it's true what he said. And they're thinking, we're back in the game, guys. We're back in business. Let's go reach the world. Jesus, what's the game plan? And then Jesus goes, pull it in, guys. Huddle up. Coming close. Here's the deal. I'm going to leave you. And they're going, again? (laughs) Again? (laughs) Not only did Jesus show back up, he showed up in miraculous power. Something that I don't know if they were expecting at this point. I don't know what the disciples were expecting. If they were hiding, if they were denying him, something tells me they didn't believe in him anymore. So Jesus shows up in resurrection power. Not only does he show up, he says, I'm not done yet. And he sticks around for another 40 days. And like Pastor Matt said, it's almost as if Jesus leveled up, which we know he didn't because he's God. He's already at God level. But now he's transporting through walls. He's he's showing up and he's talking to people and they don't even know that they're talking to Jesus. He's playing Star Wars over there. I want my lightsaber back. And so we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to pick up the story here. Verse 4 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jump over to verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Father, help us today To not miss this event, to not miss this moment. Lord, all the the fanfare that went on uh, when you came back to life and and resurrected power, and and, and Lord, you left, but Lord, you left uh, something behind, Lord, a purpose for us, for your people. Uh, And that has not changed uh, since the day you walked this earth. And so, Father, I pray you help us to get this and to understand this. In Jesus' name we pray. Church said, Imagine spending three years with Jesus and watching him do the impossible, watching him do miracles, and then going into hiding all the ups and downs. He shows up one more time, and everyone is thinking, This is it. This is our moment. And he says, I'm going to leave again. This is the plan. And people are going, Jesus, I I can't believe this is is happening again. And Jesus says, don't you remember? I told you in John chapter 16. Actually, they didn't have the Bible back then. But he told them that this was part of the plan. Somehow they they just forgot. John 16 says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is your advantage that I go away. Say advantage. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So today we're talking about the helper. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. But before we get into the main part of my message, I think it's important to give you a little bit of a precursor as to where I'm going, and I think everything else will uh, make sense. So I want to take you way back to the book of Genesis. Say in the beginning. In the very beginning it says that God created the heavens and the earth. But it says that the earth was without form. It was void. It was almost, some say it was even chaotic in ways. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And I don't know if you remember reading this. It says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You remember that. The spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The word spirit, the, author, you, the authors used that to portray the presence, the personal presence of God. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. Say ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. Say ruach. I learned that when I went to Israel. Ruah can mean many things. There's a lot of different meanings for it. But one meaning that is common across all of them is energy. It's energy. Now, to us, the energy is invisible. Right where you're sitting, everybody, uh, inhale. Go. Go. Exhale. How many do those exercise videos? Inhale. Exhale. Roll your back up. No, I'm kidding. That is Ruach. Now, how many have ever been in a storm? A windstorm? How many have been in a typhoon or a hurricane? How many have ever been near a tornado? You don't see the energy. You only see the effects of the energy. You see the wind uh, blowing the trees, but you don't see the wind. Uh, About, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, how many were here for the dust storm? It looked like it was raining. That was just dust. You don't see the wind. You just see the dust being picked up by the wind. That's ruach. That's, That's an energy. Again, to us, It's invisible, so we don't see the power in the winds, but we see the effects of the winds, and in the same way that the wind is invisible, yet powerful, God's energy is the same. It's invisible, yet powerful, and the same way that we breathe, the Holy Spirit sustains us. As I was studying this for today, um, I was kind of halfway through and this question just kind of blasted into my mind. We talked about about it a little bit this morning uh, in our our huddle. Uh, We huddled up before the service. Um, Jesus said that I have to leave. If I don't, I can't send the helper. How many of you think it would have been awesome to have Jesus walk with you. To to be beside Jesus when he's doing the, the miracles. I mean, God himself, right? Casting out demons, healing the sick. I mean, all this crazy stuff. The question came to me, what makes the Holy Spirit or the helper better than having Jesus, the physical Jesus, walk with you? And as I began to think about this, Not that Jesus couldn't do anything about it, but thinking about it, Jesus was physical. He had to be physically with the disciples everywhere they went, right? And I think Jesus knew what he was doing. I don't know, it's kind of like a tag team. How many used to watch wrestling when you were growing up? Tag team, you tag, bam, then you get out and then the other person goes in. And I feel like Jesus was saying, yo, your turn. Because if we were gonna get to the next level, We needed something that was a spirit. And as we're talking about the presence of God, when the Holy Spirit comes with us, it's personal. Remember, it's his his personal presence. If you were to study the word, there are two meanings. One of them means uh, different place, uh, no, same place, different place, same origin. Same person, same thing. That's what one of them means. So when Jesus says, I'm leaving and I'm sending the spirit with you, it's the same. It's the Godhead. And he says, not only am I sending him, he's, this is my personal presence. This is the same presence that was hovering over the waters of the deep, the beginning of creation. So I want to give you three really quick points before we get out of here. And the first one is this. That the power is promised. Now, this is obvious when you look at it. Verse 4 says, while staying with them, Jesus ordered them to wait. Say wait. For the promise of the Father. Uh, jump over to verse 5. It says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So a couple of things stand out to me right away. The Father's promise and baptism. Now, all I could say about the Father's promise is that it's there if you want it, period. The Father's promise is there if you want it. Now, um, this isn't a brag. Well, okay, maybe it's a little bit of a brag. <laughs> but it's not really, really a brag because it's not mine, okay? Okay? All right, we got it, but I'm on a little bit of a high right now, so I don't know if anybody knows what this is. This is a key fob for a Tesla. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Now, I don't own any Teslas, but I have two Teslas in my possession, one is a Model 3 Performance. It's not a regular Tesla. It's a Model 3 Performance. It goes 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds. Mm-hmm. Then this one, which I just received about, is that crazy? I received <laughs> <laughs> about three days ago. It is the Model X Plaid. It's the SUV with the wings that go up like the Lambo, the Lambo doors, and it's the Plaid. If you guys don't know what the Plaid is, go ahead and Google it real quick. It is the best model that Tesla produces. They have the car version, and they have the SUV version. The SUV is faster than the Model 3 Performance. That crazy green one. How many saw that nuclear-powered green? You might have seen it before. I'm, I'm even ashamed to drive it. It's just so bright. It gets so much attention. And so... Wouldn't it be crazy if my friend says, "Yo, I got a Model 3 plaid. You could drive it if you want." <laughs> what if I said? "No, nah, man, I'm good." No, man, I'm good." Uh-uh. I dropped my son off in his prom last night. I felt like I was going. I was like, I was rolling deep. You know how you roll deep. (laughs) And sometimes I feel like God prepares things for us that is more than you could ever ask or imagine. I can never afford a car like that myself. Even if I could, I don't know if I would buy one. (laughs) It's that, you know, Somehow I feel like God prepares things and sometimes we go, God, I'm, I'm good. And it's packaged as something called the Holy Spirit. And we know that we need power and we know that we need help and we know that we got a job to do and that we can't do it without him and yet we say, God, I'm good. Because we don't like the way that it shows up well, let me say this, is the Holy Spirit is not an it, it's a person. And I think the reason why we should understand that is because if it was an it, we would try to manipulate it to fit us. But because it's a person, he's a person, now we can't because now we have his agenda and his heart and his rules. But the Holy Spirit shows up in ways that we don't really, we don't really like. And so we say, God... No thanks. And I can remember, um, you know, praying over uh, one particular brother, uh, and he said, "You know, you know, I like everything about the church, but I don't know about the the speaking in tongues part." Anybody ever been there? Right, the speaking in tongues part. Yeah, man, I'm just not gonna do that. And I was like, "Wow, okay, no, I get it. I'm not gonna push or press." But if we get to the point where God offers something and we don't take it, can I be honest how I really feel? I feel like shame on you. Shame on you that God would say, hey, I got the best for you. And you go, nah, I'm good. So, anyway, I have a Tesla. (laughs) I'll probably have it for another week and then I got to give it up. That's going to hurt. But since we already talked about the presence and power of God, let's go ahead and talk about baptism. If we're talking about God's presence, and if we're talking about God's power, then baptism means to be totally soaked and totally immersed. If you've gone through baptism in our church before, you know how we do it. We put you in a tank, your whole body is submerged, and we hold you under until you start to shake and claw. No, I'm kidding. Some of you are like, cancel, I'm not getting baptized anymore. But it means to be completely clothed, but clothed in his presence, clothed in his person. And you have power, but it's only to the person who is baptized. Can I say that? Is that cool? At least that's what I'm reading. And the Bible says that this is a gift for any of us if we simply ask. Say ask. If we ask. I mean, this is all, man, we could do a sermon, a series on this, Pastor Matt, but we don't have a lot of time. We hesitate because there's just some things that don't sit right with us. So what does this all mean? It means that the power, that power and that energy isn't available to just anyone. It's available to everyone, but not just anyone. You have to ask for it, and you have to be okay with it. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's interesting that Jesus said, don't even leave. I know you know the mission. I know you know what to do. I know you guys are ready, but don't you go anywhere until you get this gift first, this promise, this promise of power. He sends his personal presence accompanied by his power, and God promises to do that. The Next point, the power is for a purpose. Verse 8 uh, says again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of uh, to the end of the earth. <clears throat> There's a story about a zoo, and the main attraction was the gorilla. But the gorilla died. And so now they're going, what are we going to do? The, the gorilla, let's call him Colossus. He, he's dead, now what do we do? So the, the, the zoo owner said, I got an idea. Let's go buy a gorilla outfit, a gorilla suit, and let's. one of our workers is going to dress in it, and he's going to act like the, the gorilla. And so it worked for a while until the guy dressed in the gorilla suit fell into the lion's pit. He falls into the lion's pit, and he's going, oh, man, what do I do now? And the lion starts coming over to him, and the lion's going, rawr, right? And he's going, oh, man, maybe if I show him that I'm a person, maybe the lion will will leave me alone. So he's trying to take the the mask off and and the mask won't, it's stuck. And so he's going, man, what do I do? And so the lion gets close to him. He goes, please, 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 please. He starts praying, God, God help. And the lion goes, be quiet or we're both gonna lose our jobs. Sometimes, We pretend, we pretend to be something we don't intend to do. So when we talk about the purpose of this power, Acts tells us very clearly, it's to be a witness. Now, let me tell on myself first. You know, when you become a pastor, you get around church people a lot. A lot of church people are already saved. I haven't been around a lot of lost people. I haven't shared the gospel and and led people to the Lord in, in a while. Is that okay that I say that? Okay, now that I've told on myself, can you check yourself as well? The purpose is to be a witness. One of the most important people in any courtroom is the witness. But it's the easiest thing to do. All you do is tell what you've experienced or seen or heard. Now, all of us, you've heard me say this before, all of us have a talent, something that we, that we love to do. How many are able to do something that you know you can do better than other people? Just raise your hand. Okay? Whether it's speaking, dancing, drawing, Uh, maybe it's a, a working gift or something. We can all say, you know, I do this pretty good, and I know some of my other friends don't do it as well, okay? We can agree. Now, how many have a personal story? Your personal story, right? So you have a gift in one hand. You have a story in the other. That is enough. That is enough for you to go out and be empowered by this Holy Spirit that Jesus offered to us. He told us, don't go without it. But when you get him, now you go. And I'll be with you. His personal presence indwelling with us. We have Jesus with us all the time now. Wherever we go. It's not a physical. It's a, it's a spirit. I mean, he is with us. And then when he immerses us in his power, there should be no stop in the church. This is where I'm praying that we get this. Because God is either a liar or he's who he says he is. And he can do what he says he can do. That's the train I want to be on. That's the train I want to be on. Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now this is Jesus. This is his purpose. I think if we look at our purpose, we should at least compare it to his. Because his heart uh, should dictate our heart. Right? Here's what he says. Luke four eighteen: The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Luke 4, 18 and 19. The reference to the year of the Lord's favor refers to something called the year of Jubilee. This is in Leviticus uh, chapter 25. It's one of the most, it's one of the, I mean, we know the Old Testament. It's laws and rules, right? This is one of the most grace-filled chapters in the Old Testament that you can read. And so every 50 years, there was this year of, uh, there was this time where anybody who messed up, found themselves in debt, had nothing left, lost everything, they would restore everything. They would be pardoned, and they would be forgiven. So when Jesus says, I came to release the captives, it means of everything to forgive them of everything to release them of everything how many have ever been bound by something and then you found release from it doesn't that feel good jesus is saying this is my purpose but now jesus presence goes with us guess what that's our purpose too is to bring freedom to the captives to set people free to you know that that's just kind of the way jesus does things God's design. It's like, the, it's like the, the one who's hurting brings healing. You ever been there? You ever been praying for somebody? You wish people were praying for you? Whether you had bad luck, whether you messed up, whether you uh, lost your, your ancestral land, no matter what kind of debt, all of these poor souls would have Everything. Their land, their belongings, even if they weren't around at the time, it would be restored to them. This law gave the gift of freedom and a new beginning. It was an opportunity to start over. And it's not earned, it's given. The purpose is to bring freedom power so that we can be witnesses to others of God's goodness. And my last point is this, sacrifice releases power. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the release of power. The word sacrifice appears more than 200 times in the Bible. Sacrifice is not unique to Christianity. You can go to any religion, uh, whether you know, even pagan, even occultic, and you'll see examples of of sacrifice. Whenever there was power that was needed, it required a sacrifice. We can see it with God's people. Uh, The Bible says that we are uh, entrapped by sin. Uh, Sin equals death, a spiritual death, a physical death. And so back then they had to find an animal per sin, If you lied, that required a certain animal. If you um, stole, you better get another kind of animal. It was very specific. But any time there needed to be a release, there had to be a sacrifice. There was a situation when I was leading our our campus group uh, at our church in Guam. Uh, By the way, I totally forgot to do this, but... Pastor Neil and Blanche, can you guys wave at us? Where are you? There they are in the back. Can you guys say hi to Pastor Neil and Blanche? They are our pastors at uh, Victory in the Bay Area. This is our Every Nation Church up there. So uh, dear friends of mine, Pastor Neil uh, is one of the guys who helped disciple me. I was the knucklehead who was always hanging out at their house and eating their food. And I was not saved, but I would still go. And they would, they would put up with me. And they would preach to me. And they would share the Bible with me, and now here I am today. So uh, God bless you, brother. I appreciate you. I love you very much. And so we have some history. So the Guam church that I'm talking about, he helped start. He was part of the original team uh, that came. And so uh, eventually, uh, God grabbed me by the neck. I got saved, and then um, and I started to um, uh, pursue ministry. I was the campus leader, uh, and we were in a Bible study, uh, and there's probably about 12 of us in the room at the time. Uh, I was leading a Bible study. It was kind of strange the way it all happened. I was leaving my house, um, and I just had this really uneasy feeling. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, like you leave the house. Something Vilma loves to do to me is when I get to the end of my street and outside of our gate, we live in a gated community, she'll go, did you close the garage door? And I'm going, I'm sure I did, but let me just double check and I'll go all the way around to come back to find out that I did close the garage door. But it's that same uneasy feeling. I remember leaving the house and then I was almost at the University of Guam and I was thinking, man, did I leave the iron on? Did I lock my door? There was something that was not right, but I was like, if I turn around, I'm going to be late. And so I thought, I just, I'm just going <laughs> to God protect my place. And I went to the campus. And so we were having Bible study, and we had this visitor. And, you know, anytime you have a visitor, the group gets excited. And so uh, the group was excited. I was excited. So we we went through our whole Bible study. Um, And at the end of it, uh, of course, we all pay attention to this visitor. And there was this girl. Her name was Lori. She was our visitor. She was actually the cousin of one of our student members. And so um, I went up to her. I said, hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm rolling. Nice to meet you. She says, hi, I'm Lori. And it's, she was very, very disinterested. So I said, who invited you? Oh, Sella. That's my cousin. I thought, oh, okay. In my mind, I think she's here out of obligation. She really doesn't want to be here. She's not looking at me. She's not looking at anybody else. She's just disengaged. And so as I talked to her, I said, well, I, I hope you enjoyed the Bible study. And she said, I hated it. Straight up. I hated it. I said, wow, please be honest. And I said, what can we do better? And she goes, I'm a Satanist. And I just felt this oppression, this weight just hit me. And I was like, whoa. But I was like, I could feel the tension. When she said I'm a Satanist, everybody else in the room stopped and went, and I said, you know, honestly, it kind of freaked me out. <laughs> My heart was beating fast. I was like, is, she gonna, is her head going to spin, is, you know? And so, so I said, man, I said, you know what? Can I be honest? I'm kind of fascinated by this. I've never met her like a real live Satanist before. Like devil worshiper, like wow. And I said, I said, so, so. Can I ask a question? This is real. And she said, yes. And I said, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? (laughs) And that got her started. And she said, you know, sometimes at about 3 in the morning, I wake up and I just want to (laughs) kill. And now we're going, what did I just start? (laughs) I said, why? And she said, because when I kill something, the devil gives me power. With every sacrifice, there is a release of power. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the release of power. And so, of course, we all have goosebumps, but we're freaking out. But I'm like, I'm like you guys ready? You ready to hold her down? Because we need to cast something out. Okay, everybody good? And so I said, I mean, I just got bold, to be honest with you. I know our people were praying. I said, Lori you know in the end you lose. And she said, I know that. But I love the power. I love the power. It was so trippy. And I said, what what would make you want to be a loser? And she gets upset. And she stands up. She says, you know what I hate about all of you? I hate you Christians because you have a light. I hate the light. I hate the light. You know, we're really freaking out at this point. And I said, is it okay if we pray for you? She goes, no. And I said, we're going to pray for you anyway. She leaves. She runs out the door. Her cousin comes straight to me and says, I am so sorry. I I didn't know it was going to happen. Like I said, don't worry, don't worry. I said, you know what? God's got her number. About two years later, she shows up to church on her own. She gets born again. She is in our church today, fully renouncing the evil and the the devil worship and all of that stuff. But you know what got her into the kingdom? Her cousin in the campus group fasting for her. With every sacrifice, there's a release of power. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the release of power when we look back last week, we talked about the power of the cross. Remember that? We talked about the power that was released when Jesus was, was crucified. This should make sense now because Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. So much power was released. The Bible says that the earth shook. Rocks split. Say power. Whether you need physical Whether you need something spiritual, it requires something on our part. If Jesus gave his life, chances are we're going to have to give our life in some way. Does that make sense? The Bible says for those who try to keep their life, they lose it. For those who give their life away, they find it. If Jesus had a cross, that means we probably have a cross too. He went to it. He carried it. I believe that's what God is requiring some of us to do. And that if we do, if we would dare trust him, if we would dare obey him, I believe we'll see breakthrough like you've never imagined before. All the family members that you're praying for, your friends and your co-workers that you see all the time. I was just talking to Cheryl uh, last week, and we were talking about how, you know, we, we, we you know, invite co-workers, and it's like they never show up to church, right? And I said, yeah, you know what? Vilma, my wife, had been inviting her co-workers for years and years and years and Vilma fasts and she prays and I can't stand it when she goes you want to fast with me? and I'm going oh. when? <laughs> how long? how many days? can I do the Daniel fast? can I eat fruits and vegetables? you could do the full but guess what? we started seeing coworkers show up a couple of them came last Sunday With every sacrifice, there's a release of power. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the release of power. What are you willing to give? What are you willing to give to see God come through like you've been praying for? For some of us, it's just a simple step of obedience. I've been there before where I was hanging out with Christian people, but I wasn't really right with God. I was putting on a show because of my sister. She's never here when I tell the stories. She's here next week, actually, but she's going to miss it, Neil. And so I played the, the role, gone through the motions. You know what it was for me? It was a decision. Simple. It was a decision. I remember being on the back row. Everybody was at a conference in Manila, and it was just me and my pastor at the time, Pastor Taylor, a big old white dude, and he knew that we were the only ones in the church because everybody else was gone. There's probably 10 of us, and it was me and four of my friends, and we're on the back row, and he says, if you're not right with God, raise your hand and get it right. And I, you know what? I had been coming to church for months and months and months, and I just knew I can't, I can't play these games anymore. It tore me up every single time these invitations would come up. And so I remember being on the back row, and all my friends who thought they were hard, they thought they were gangsters, they thought, you know, they're sitting there, and, and I was like, you know what, I can't anymore. A voice spoke to me and said, these guys will not be with you when you stand before me. And I was like, Whew. and I raised my hand. When I was raising my hand, I put it down, and I hit my friend's shoulder, and he knew that my hand went up, so guess what? His hand went up. Guess what? The other hands went up. By the end of that little dinky service, me and four of my gangster friends were at the front praying with Pastor Taylor. But it took me to lose my life for that to happen. One of them is a pastor here in Las Vegas. Neil, I don't know if you remember Pastor Adam. Well, Adam, he's a pastor now. Just so you know, we were the knuckleheads who would kind of hang out It's going to take something from you. Are you getting this? Are you understanding? But I promise you, I promise you, God will move on your behalf if you will. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray us out of here. Father, we thank you. Lord, for your sacrifice. Lord, we thank you that you gave your life for us. Because you did, Lord, your power was released. The power to break sin, to defeat sin, to give us life is now available to us. But it's more than that. As we think about the Holy Spirit and the power, Lord, it's not just for us. It's for others. You're very clear. You want us to be a witness to others. You know, I was supposed to draw a parallel to Star Wars. I don't know if I'll be able to now because I'm so far ahead. But, you know, as a kid, I didn't understand. I I thought Obi-Wan Kenobi would be like one of the heroes right and then when he died i was mad i was like who wrote this movie you know as i got older i kind of understood okay i see what the what the writer was trying to do you know real star wars people will argue over the real purpose i was i was i was studying this and i tried to do a little research i just gave up i was like there's just too much but to me i think he knew that he would be stronger if he, if he gave his life. So according to my reading, he kind of became one with the force. Okay, I know, I'm nerding out. But somehow I, I feel like what Jesus did, now it's our move. What are we going to do? Are we willing to lose our life for the sake of somebody else? Because if we do, I believe the kingdom of God will move forward faster than we can ever imagine. So, Lord, bless our people. Give us the power to be a witness this week to that coworker, to that family member. Uh, Lord, to our, to our gym mates. Lord, to our, our workmates. Lord, whoever we come across, to the stranger, to our neighbor. Father, give us the power to be a witness. And, Lord, we say today that we expect your spirit to come through. In Jesus' name. If you receive that, just say amen. 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 Father, thank you for Every Nation Church, Las Vegas. Bless them good, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.